Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome back to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler and this week I meet another founder come CEO as part of our founder series where I get to go in-depth with entrepreneurs from across the digital advertising spectrum about what inspired them to go it alone, the problem they set out to tackle and how true they remain to the vision they had on day one. When you peel back the glossy sales pitch and the carefully crafted PowerPoint decks, for me, it's always the founder stories that are the most intriguing. And this episode is no different. And it was the turn of Sue Fennessy, founder and CEO of We Are Eight, a social app that pays you cash every time you watch an ad. Their aim is to provide a sustainable future for transformative change through billions of small actions. And I don't want to overdo it on the superlatives, but Sue is an absolute force of nature. We Are Eight is the fourth business she's founded, and that includes the industry-renowned Standard Media Index. And she comes at the global digital advertising market from the point of view of really empowering people and leveraging social media as this force for good. There's loads we cover. We talk about the behavioural science that backs up the whole platform. We talk B Corp and why that's so important to their business. And we touch on why the likes of Rio Ferdinand are so engaged with Sue's cause. But I started, as I always do on these founder episodes, by going right back to the beginning and how it all started for Sue. So 35 years in media and tech and really a lifelong obsession with how people and brands connect, you know, because I really see the power of brands to elevate humanity and, you know, television advertising. I remember a million years ago I used to talk into the television and imagine those characters, you know, talking back and I think... Advertising on TV worked so beautifully, but we evolved and digital evolved and then social evolved, but we never reimagined the ad experience that should go with that. So digital became more personalised, everything became more interactive, but ads became very one way. We basically Mm -hmm. took a TV ad from the 50s and stuck it into a digital ad experience And because it didn't work then, it just became shorter and shorter till now we have a video view considered at three seconds. So Mm. I think we forget that we're at a very early stage still. So I feel massively optimistic about digital advertising in the industry because I think we're at the starting line. You know, digital as a digital experience of experiences have evolved, but now we're really just getting stuck into what does an ad and what should an ad look like in a digital world? Do you feel that sense as well? I mean, I couldn't agree more with the idea of, you know, taking an ad that's built for telly and putting it on a smaller screen and, oh, guess what, people aren't watching 30 seconds, so we'll sort of turn it into three. Do you think for that reason, a lot of the stuff we do is trying to get digital out of the depths of performance marketing and DR and, you know, digital outcomes, basically, whereas, of course, telly has this rich legacy of building brands over long periods of time. Do you doubt digital's ability to do that? Or do you just think we've just got the, the, the ad bit wrong so far? 
I think digital, and it's really why we built eight to unite a billion people and solve big problems, but the ad piece of what we've built is to deliver a digital ad in a more respectful way that leaves someone feeling loved and engaged. It's a two-way street because it's just been TV works. And even in the SMI, the the Standard Media Index, the data company that I built before this, we see TV really holding. In fact, they're booming all the TV networks at the moment because, you know, TV ads really work. They really build brands. We just haven't had a brand-building digital ad delivery equivalent to build brands. And so as a result, it's become just serve as many as we can to drive a conversion because at some point we'll hit enough people with the messages to get a 0.5% average click-through rate and <laughs> we can sell something. And so I think what's... What, sorry, I, don't, I love digital and I'm very optimistic about it. I just think we've got this wonderful opportunity ahead where digital can be even more engaging and leave someone feeling more loved with their message, but we have to put people at the core and at the economic centre and at the core of the value exchange in order to do it. It's also one of the reasons that we have a couple of questions after we someone receives an ad on aid because it's like mm. taking someone on a date. You know, it's this dialogue that you get in digital and social that yeah, you can't yeah. have on TV. And what we discovered is that people, when they're respected and valued going into watching the ad because they know they're changing the world, getting valued, paid and donations made when they watch the ad, they actually want to be asked what they think. They want to be asked questions because it's like going on a date. You know, you want to be asked a few questions on a date. You just don't want someone telling you about themselves. (laughs) That's a bad date. <laughs> the, the the one way date. Then I mean, they're never fun. Give us the potted history of We Are Eight. How old are you? How are you funded? What was that initial problem that you were trying to solve? Take us back to the very beginning. Very old. No, <laughs> um, I don't think we could have built this actually unless I was very old. No. So the company I built Standard Media Index. So SMI was born. 13 years ago, really to bring a level of transparency to media trading and make the media trading market more efficient, more effective. You know, it's a massive market. Over $500 billion is traded around the world. You know, and we've seen a lot of that evolve over the last 12, 13 years and go to the big tech giants. And so it was really having this macro view at SMI of the entire media market and seeing, you know, a lot of money going to the tech giants. Our clients there are the TV networks and we partnered with the media agencies. So it was sort of having all the stakeholders of the industry and hearing what everyone was saying and just a belief that, you know, a lot of money was going to the big guys And so we became obsessed with whether it was possible to deliver an ad, deliver a brand message to someone in a way that leaves someone feeling loved and valued and respected. Because the metric that we needed to beat was an engagement rate of under 1%. And you only have to talk to 
your next door neighbour to say, do those ads on YouTube annoy you a little bit? You know, being forced to watch an ad or having all those ads served on your social feeds to realise it's not great for the end consumer either. I mean, I think growing up with television, there's this beautiful value exchange that's sort of understood and implied, although that's changing with BVOD and everything else. But there is this, okay, I'm watching TV, I'm getting this beautiful programming for free, I'm watching a couple of ads, it's a passive experience and so it all works. When you go into digital, the rules are sort of rewritten. And so now, because it's unlimited inventory and there's sort of this bombardment and the big guys are setting their own rules and and reporting on their own homework a, a lot, it's just this bombardment to the end human. So on one side we saw that, look, there has to be a better way because the average engagement rate is under 1%. We wanted to counter that and imagine, is it possible to reimagine the digital ad delivery? And on the human side, is it possible to build something where people feel loved and valued and actually want to watch ads? And the irony, you know, we've invested $30 million in the last six years in in building tech and working with behavioural scientists to build that. And it's a lot more, you know, occasionally people say to us, oh, so you're just paying people to watch ads. And (laughs) it's so much more nuanced and complex than that, actually, because what we discovered is it's the balance of you have value, you have economic value, your time has value, and we recognise that. And so having a monetary component to that is really critical for people to, particularly in this cynical world that we live in where people are savvy, to know that I have value, there is an exchange. But that coupled with every time you watch an ad, you can make positive impact, and it's the balance of those two things because that's why also people pay 54% forward. So every time they watch an ad, they're valued, paid, and a donation gets made. And then after they get paid, 54% pay it forward to a charity. Oh, so they're not keeping, you know, it's not a, a sort of personal sort of greed-driven thing. People are actually passing it forward. Interestingly, we always say no judgment because... You know, no, it wasn't. Do you know, I really get that. Well, I think, you know, we have, I think if anything, the platforms, there's greed potentially, you know, there's really greed there. I think 99% of the population just want to get food on the table. They want to pay their mobile bills. You know, so we always say, look, no judgment. If you want to pay your mobile, automatically pay your mobile bill. If you want to put it into your PayPal account, if you want to pay it forward, you know, join Marcus Rashford, you know, and pay it forward to fair share, all power to you. But as a brand, if you want to reach James, it's up to him how he wants to use that tiny, by the way, bit of money that you're paying him. It's more about him feeling, you feeling a sense of value. And Mm. And when we tested it where we donated to a charity watch this ad and we'll donate to a charity and about 15 percent of people you know 15 percent of people when we say payment interestingly it skews real payment skews so there's too much of a transactional agenda crypto 
if you pay in crypto, it only gives a, a small, again, it captures a small, very skewed percentage. And we built this to engage value and unite a billion people. So what we built is the balance between you get paid and a donation gets made every time you watch an ad. But when we give you the control on what you do with your money, you feel really loved and valued. 54% of people pay it forward. And then after you pay it forward, all of these amazing people, Rio, Trent, Alexander-Arnold, all of these amazing people are there to celebrate you. So it's a very refined behavioural experience. But for us, yeah. it's only the beginning anyway because what we're really here to do is inspire, empower and enable a billion people to come together to take small actions every day in support of the planet and driving real change. So the add value piece was part of us just working out how do we deliver the perfect ad? Yeah. How do we in a digital world get your attention in a way that you feel respected? And I think what's interesting is people wake up over the next six months to the fact consumers, humans wake up to the fact that, oh, God, I have value. My time has value. And all these ads that I'm seeing in my social feeds, that's $100 billion last year went into Facebook's pocket for the time and value of the people. So we are countering something that exists that we think is fundamentally broken, not just from an ad delivery perspective, but yeah. the fact that these environments do fuel hate. They don't block hateful content and comments, and that is disturbing for humanity. Let me ask you about the name, We Are Eight. What's in the name? So it's the infinite power of people to come together ah. to solve the world's biggest problems. It's the infinite power of brands, the money and muscle of brands to come together with people to address big problems. And being the nerd that I am, James, it's the eighth <laughs> element on the chemical table is oxygen. It's about oxygen is what connects all living things on the planet. It's the interconnectedness of plants, animals, humans, nature, the planet. And at the end of the day, our belief is that we are all connected. We're just divided at the moment. And look, I think Facebook did a brilliant job of giving people technology that was the first iteration of social where people were connected, right? Yeah. We believe it's time for to rewrite the rules, really, and just create an environment for people to be inspired, empowered, engaged, and reclaim their economic value, foundational, you know, and then really own their voice and feel their unique power to change the world. Because I don't think people are feeling that at the moment. And it's absolutely impossible for us to come together and unite on technology that is selling us and making money from us and not uniting us in a central action. I mean, our whole mission is to imagine a billion people around the world watching ads for two minutes a day on We Are Eight, engaging and getting inspired through the eight stage, which is our hate-free evolution of the social feed, inspired and then sending a push notification saying, please turn off your mobile phone tonight. That has huge positive effects on the planet. You know, it's mm. like taking millions of cars off the road. Yeah, so the yeah. ability to mobilise hundreds of millions of people in really positive ways 
so that people feel their unique power to change the world, that's when things get really exciting. And that's our real mission. The only way that we could do that was to build an ad model that was the evolution of where we are today. I mean, thinking about people that, you know, use their platform online for good and doing amazing things. You talked about Rio, you talked about Trent, you mentioned Marcus Rashford. How have these people come into view of We Are Eight and and why them, I guess? Look, football is a great uniter around the world. I mean, sport is a great uniter, football particularly, is Mm -hmm. because, you know, anyone from any background, no matter what, socioeconomic you know you can try and access a football it's the sort of basis of play it's the basis of group play and football has the power to elevate and inspire people like nothing else and so these people are inspiring people on a daily basis just seeing them you know they play three times a week and they go out there and fight and every game is a new (laughs) game But the other thing about football is, and women's football too, you know, and these people have come up out of pretty gritty environments. I mean, many of them, there was a documentary recently on South London and all these players that have come up that Rio did on South London. And so they really know how to battle it out and they never lose connection with their people and where they've come from. I mean, we've seen this firsthand with the amazing job Rashford did to fight to get school meals, you know, for everyone. And so because they've come from very gritty, real, economically challenged often environments, they want to give back. And so the campaign that there many of these amazing women and men are leading the charge on is I rep my people because they're realising that the social that's come before, it's been pretty self-absorbed. You know, when I grew up, if you took a selfie of yourself, you're, well, you couldn't even, but if you took a photo of yourself, (laughs) you're a bit of a dickhead. And, you know, you would never be seen dead taking a photo of yourself. Now we've got a world where everyone is taking Mm. photos of themselves, but they're feeling lonelier, they're feeling more isolated insecure and judged than ever before and so I think what's beautiful about these people is they're saying it's not about me you've supported me and been my fans now it's about you and Mm. I'm bringing my best content to we are eight because please follow me there but this is where I can help you regain your economic value because now you can get valued paid and change the world with me every time you watch an ad But more importantly, we can unite here in a hate-free environment. And that's where something much bigger happens. I don't even think we've started to see the magic total. I know that sounds like a sort of a wafty word, but I don't think we have seen the magic that will start happening when human beings can feel not judged and feel that they can bring their truth to a place Mm. with no hate. Because in this video, please go to our website and see the creator section. There's a video on there that has creators like AJ and Curtis Pritchard and Abby Quinnan and Rio and others talking about they could get 9,000 great comments, but it's the one dark one that sticks with them and gives them a sleepless night. It's like, you know... Being at a party and someone saying something shockingly abusive to you, you're going to leave that party feeling shit. 
And so there is a responsibility, we believe, to create a world that is protected from that. Can I finish with some quick fire questions? Yes. I promised to do one sentence questions. Let's try and do one sentence answers. Would you ever say no to a brand who wasn't a right fit? who, you know, just didn't work. Great question. I'll try and be quick fire. We have a baseline of brands we don't accept. So oil companies, firearms, political parties, we think that should be free from advertising actually. So we have a baseline, but beyond that, it's up to someone's own choice. So you can say yes or no to the McDonald's ad. You can say yes or no to the Coke ad. So we create a baseline and then it's people's decision. Got it. It's on me. You exude positivity. I hope you don't mind me saying so. Is the glass always half full for you? Well, I am an optimist, but I feel very (laughs) optimistic now that we've built technology that can really unite and drive change and deliver better results to advertisers. I'm excited and optimistic about that. You went from a big, brilliantly established business working with amazing partners and agencies into this startup world. What was your sort of biggest fear or biggest challenge at the start from going from something so big and established to to something that's just yours and brand new? Well, what was big, things become big and established, right? But I've built four companies from startup (laughs) over the last 35 years. So, so I really get the early stage. I mean, there's no doubt things are tough in the beginning, but SMI was once fragile and early and and everyone said we don't want transparency and now everyone's sort of really relying on the data. So I think for me, it's not about how I'm feeling because it's always, you know, there's always an element of fear at the beginning. It's actually about if you know something is better and there's a better way, you just become obsessed with that quest. And so for us, it was a quest on there has to be a better way to deliver a digital ad and there has to be a better way to deliver people's social experiences and a social app that leaves people feeling inspired, loved and valued and for that to become addictive. So there has to be a better way mission that gets you up at, you know, five in the morning and gets rid of any fear. Last question on B Corp. We've had, had a couple of amazing B Corp companies. We've had the likes of Callaly. We've had people like Goodloop. I mean, B Corp is really tough process to go through. I mean, incredibly valuable to have. Why did you see the importance in going and, and getting B Corp accredited? Those values are part of our DNA anyway. Mm. So for us, we just had to do it from the beginning. But it's also, we want to hard code everything possible that's about positive impact into our DNA. So God forbid if I drop dead or anything, this is about keeping our true north real and true. And, you know, I get really inspired by people like Ryan at Patagonia who says we put people and planet over profit. I mean, make no mistake, there's no way we could raise the money we've done and built this if we were a not-for-profit. So we had to be a company. Becoming a B Corp keeps things really balanced. And so it's people, planet, profit for shareholders, but done in a really transparent, good way. And I actually, part of our strategy is to turn all our people into shareholders. We'd love a billion people to be inspired every day and getting valued and paid for watching ads. But we also, you know, would love them all to be shareholders. 
What a lovely model. So amazing. It's just so inspiring. You just, it's sort of this, this relentless optimism, which is just like brilliant. And it's not forced and it comes so naturally to you. Oh, thanks. And as you say, you know, you've done this four times already. So it's going to be an absolutely roaring success. There's no doubt. We are going to link to the creator part that you mentioned on the We Are 8 site. We'll link to it in the show notes. But thank you again for giving us half an hour this morning. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure, James. I've loved it. We are eight. Sue Fennessy there. You obviously hear it throughout our conversation, but Sue just exudes positivity and this unshakable belief that We Are Eight is going to fundamentally change social media and the way in which people engage with digital ads. They are absolutely one to watch. And I have this niggling feeling that we'll look back down the line at some point and realise how fortunate we were to get Sue on the pod. So watch this space. Thank you, by the way, for all of your comments about our International Women's Day episode with Zara Gregory at Anomaly London. All very, very kind indeed. Thank you. These episodes are only ever as good as the guests we get on them. And Zara, as all of you have commented, was absolutely terrific. We're back next week, but until then, thanks very, very much for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising.